Yeah. Hey everyone, it's me, Sean Capri. I'm in my car and I'm on a Skype call with my friend Luke Lore. He didn't know I was about to launch into the intro. And you're listening to the most horsepowerful podcast on the internet, even though my car is very reasonable on gas. Luke, we're going to talk about Anthem, I think, inside Xbox, and a few other little trickety tidbits of goodness for your Xbox fandom. So why don't you go ahead and turn that dial in to the Xbox drop? Greater than X. Uh, Sean Capri, you interrupted a wonderful diatribe about global warming. I'm uh, I'm really sorry. Show. You're dedicated <laughs> to the cause. Hello, just, the show must go on, as they say. But, you know, it, it is <laughs> worth mentioning that we were once again talking about John Wall and Adam Leonard, the mega dads. Uh, and uh, our thoughts go, our thoughts and prayers go out to them as they face minus <laughs> 50 degree Fahrenheit weather. That's insane. You know what you should get if it's that cold? You get a coffee. Yeah, well, that is a thing you can get. Watch out for the wave, New York. I think there's a giant wave headed your way. I saw it day after tomorrow. I saw it. I know what's Statue happening. Liberty is really doomed. Yeah, it's going to have a rough time. Really thought this Burn guy everything. was going to be taking my order pretty soon here, Luke. Mm, yep, yep. Just waiting. Yep. You're just stalling. You're just stalling. You know what else is cold is Metro Exodus. Is it? At, what? Yeah, what? Metro Exodus. Uh, hi there. It. Can I please get a medium coffee uh, with two Splenda, please? I'm really glad you got to the window. Uh, two Splenda, oh. please. Jeez. Yes, please. What the heck is happening in there? And I have a coffee card for that. They were blending. Thank you. They were blending. Were, were they killing the cows for their burgers in there? What the heck was that? They were blending a, a caramel mochiato why, sugar drink. Why can't they close the door so that the lady can take the order? It's like this this kid just making all his noise in his bedroom. Just close the door. Be respectful of your neighbors. You know what I mean? Anyways, you were saying Mexodus? <laughs> I, I don't know. I had a personal. Oh, I forgot they had Pokemon said. toys. Oh no! Oh geez, he's he's going again. Yeah, keep going. No, that's it. I might ask for it at the window though. Yeah, you should. You should get a good one. Yeah, get a good one. I feel like this. I feel like this gag isn't for you, Luke. I'm getting the feeling like this isn't this isn't your deal. <laughs> what have I ever told you that a gag wasn't for me? Never once. That's you're too polite. Are you sure you're not Canadian? I might be. I might mm. be. I think you might be yeah. too. It's not such a bad thing. Metro Exodus thing. is set Metro in Exodus. Winter. Oh yes, that's right. <laughs> it's a nuclear winter. There's no is real it? story about Metro other than the they're sort of not playing nice with with Valve, but that's oh, not really yeah. nice. The publisher and it's just a silly silly thing. And it I like it, and I like it because it's disrupting the market a little bit. It sure and, is, uh, and knocking people around a bit. And I think that's a good thing, a healthy free market kind of thing. I think it's insane. Here, here, capitalism. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, with uh, Epic getting rich off this, somebody else, you know, can't afford healthcare or something. They got lawsuits to pay for, Sean. That's They're true. That's true. They got dancing lawsuits to pay for. Can you imagine those lawsuits of what it would be like in the courtroom? We're talking about Fortnite. The lawsuits about the dances in Fortnite, of course. Uh, right. But the, but but what if the judge was like, "Can somebody clarify what the Carlton dance is?" And and the, and the lawyers are kind of like doing it, but they're all like they can't dance. Like everybody knows that lawyers can't dance. Uh, Your Honor, I direct your attention to Exhibit A. Uh, <laughs> what lawyer is that? that <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really have a dedicated gag to that. I yep. just kind of left right in and bailed right out. That was good. That was good, man. Hey, do we have like news or like games to talk about or something? Should we like move this show along or what? 
We what do. do I'm do? just trying to drag this gag at the drive-thru out. I know, but it's taking a favorite. long time. You know what? The things things have changed since we started doing this. Because uh, now I drive home, and it's it's dinner time at McDonald's. So people are ordering like food. There's like there's like three trays coming out in front of me. What do you do order you food? Coffee. I drink the coffee. Uh, last week I didn't. It froze in my car overnight, actually. I believe you. Yeah. I believe you. Ice coffee the next day. All right, so let's just move on. All right, Hi. I'm going to start this thing. Hi, Luke. King- Kingdom Hearts 3. It's launched on. Yay for all the nerds, you dorks. Uh, your game got an 88 on Metacritic, at least critically, Sean. It's looking good. And uh, joking aside, I'm pretty happy for our, the fans of Kingdom Hearts, even though I have no idea what's going on. Thank you. If only there was a way to know that today was the day that Kingdom Hearts came out. If only there was a way that like people could show us. The people who bought it physically, if they mm-hmm. could just display on Twitter the box that they bought. If they, would hold, if they could hold it in front of their phone, take a picture, and tweet it. That would be amazing. Yeah. I wish that people would yeah. do that more. Me too. Me too. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. But all joking aside, uh, yay for the nerds. Yay. If you would like to play with the nerds, all you got to do is play Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. And only those two, because you'll be right up to date. <laughs> you won't miss 3. anything. You won't miss a single thing. Real easy. Yeah, all Real up to easy. date. Totally comprehensive experience. Uh, I am actually impressed that the game scored so well, because it went through such a development up-down that I was very curious where it would land just on the meta of video games. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's landing in 88 territory is a good sign. I, I like that. Resident Evil 2 did well. Mm-hmm. Kingdom Hearts 3 is doing well. Mm-hmm. That's that's a nice way to start your year. Good January. But isn't it, isn't it funny how... like Does it sound like the conversations surrounding Kingdom Hearts are like reflect those scores? Or are they like, ooh, only 88? Like It's actually not that good. But like, I don't know. There's such a dissonance there to me. At least from what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing, it, it's different. I don't know. Kingdom Hearts fans are maybe a little weird in that way. Yeah, I think it's just an, uh, a big barrier to entry. Yeah. you got to play 33 games after the first two before True you enough. play three. I think you're but exactly right. But also I, like 10-year dev time or whatever it is. Like It's a lot of buildup, a lot of expectations there, to deal with. There is, and I don't think we actually know. At the time we're recording, it hadn't been out long enough for a ton of users to weigh in. So critically, it's doing very well. But as, to your point from last week, Resident, I'm sorry, uh, Red, Dead, Red Dead Redemption 2, that that critic versus user narrative was a bit different. So I think by this mm. time next week, we'll have a better idea for what fans are saying. But I am happy that those who have been waiting so long are getting it. Good point. Uh, and, you know, like I guess I looked at gameplay. I watched people play. Uh, I have no interest in Disney, that part of Disney. I like the Star Wars and the MCU, but like that version of Disney, what people think of as Disney. Uh, I have no real interest in that, but the gameplay looked kind of neat. I was like, oh, I see where people would enjoy that. Sure. Yeah, if that's good. <laughs> it looks pretty good similar to what I've seen with the other two. So, I mean, yeah, I just don't get it, but good for you guys. All right. Yeah, nerds. Uh, let's go to <laughs> ah, small, smaller stuff, but something fun. Uh, do you listen to Major Nelson Radio, John? I listened to my first episode ever because this last one was a big one. Okay. This is a so big I, deal. I listen to that when it comes out. It's not as weekly or, or monthly consistently because it's hosted by Larry Herb, Xbox Live's Major Nelson, yada, yada, yada. But I really enjoy Jeff Rubenstein as well. And they get on there and they just talk. And, and they are they are very, I would say, open despite be working for Microsoft. They talk about Switch and they talk about Mario and Zelda and things they like. Uh, but I like their show 
mainly because it's just a little bit of an insight into Xbox. Um, but they had Phil Spencer on uh, in lieu of Jeff Rubenstein, and it was cool just to hear him talk because he talked yeah, about man. xCloud and other studios. You said you did get to listen to it? I did, yeah, man. It was it was really refreshing. And like I haven't heard Phil Spencer really do anything like that in quite some time. He's been a very busy man. Um, and I forgot how refreshing it is to hear Phil Spencer talk so candidly about all aspects of the business and the industry. And uh, in a time where Sony is really not talking about anything at all, and Nintendo can't help but shut Metroid down or cancel or whatever they did, um, Mm -hmm. it was awesome to hear the head of Xbox come out and just talk so freely about... The future, he talked a little bit about um, Project X or xCloud or whatever they're calling it, and he's actually played some things on that mm-hmm. thing. He, he has, it, it seems like he has no boundaries. Now, we know he has to have the boundaries. There has to be some secrets at some point. But it reminded me of something that I had forgotten, which is I would really like to be best friends with Phil Spencer. So if anybody yes. has a hookup, uh, <laughs> I'll take him around for a drive in my car. Ball. But I really like it, that guy. It is really refreshing and it's interesting because the way they've elevated his position he now reports directly to the head of microsoft so that's his boss that's that's pretty much it um and so it's nice to hear him talk about seeing the second projects over at rare or ninja theory their next thing that they're working on at playground yeah man. and him discussing those it's neat because we finally have as xbox fans our true figurehead. We have uh, what PlayStation fans might equate to Shuhei Yoshida mm-hmm. uh, or Nintendo fans would say with Reggie because it truly does feel like Phil is that. Um, and it's been that way for maybe a year, maybe two, maybe two. Uh, but he had to really solidify his position after kind of taking over. And it, it feels very genuine when it comes out of, uh, you know, out of his mouth into the, the audience, which I like. Yeah, well, I want to say he's been the head of Xbox for, like, five years now, like, since, um, like, Don Magic. It's five. Yeah. Yes, it is five. It is five, but I say I'm talking about the feeling. The feeling. Yeah, totally. I just want, that's what I really wanted to reemphasize is that it seems like just yesterday, and he's done a lot of work really, really quickly, and again, like, he kind of alluded at one point, I think, to, like, a time where he hands the baton off to somebody else or when he moves on or when he's no longer the head of X. I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he kind of alluded to it. And I have to say, I was heartbroken when I when I heard him say that. I'm like, no, don't leave us. You can never leave us. Always be with us, Phil Spencer, forever. My goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you got yeah, a t- huge recommendation for people who don't normally subscribe to that, I am one of you. I don't normally listen to to this podcast and it was excellent so if you're a fan of xbox you owe it to yourself to go check that out and i can't wait for e3 they also talked about doubling down at e3 a little bit i don't know if this is elsewhere in the notes but maybe we jump to it right now what what were your thoughts on that the idea that they're just they are they just they had several options on the table for how to approach e3 with you know with sony bowing out and do they fill that void do they buy up floor space how do they approach it and essentially the, the motto, the, the feeling that they took from their rooms of discussions is let's go big and let's yeah, do man. this right for our fans. It's an opportunity. Uh, and I love it. I love yeah, it because man. I'm not the biggest supporter of E3 nor the biggest downer. I'm, I'm undecided. But to hear and see them approach with confidence, that, ins- that instills in me uh, an even stronger sense of confidence as a fan and mm-hmm. as looking forward to Xbox products. Well, both as an Xbox fan and as, and as a fan of E3, I think there's a lot of people kind of like clinging to what E3 used to be. Everybody wants to figure out what is its identity? What, are we sh- what should we be getting excited about? And if Microsoft is taking this opportunity to like show us what we 
should be getting excited about, then it like it's a double whammy. Then Xbox comes mm-hmm. back in strong, E3 comes back in a big way that it hadn't really done before, finds a new identity. It gets me jazzed, man. What a, 2019 is going to go down as an amazing year. I'm hyped. And 17 and 18 certainly were. Odd years are good. I like that. Well, they, well it's it's been kind of neat because for all the, the good and bad news over the past few years, uh, when you look back at the catalog of games and the catalog of hardware that's been released across multiple platforms, we are certainly spoiled for choice as gamers. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, so a lot of things that they covered on that podcast. It was a it was a treat to listen to. I can't even remember what drove my attention to it. Might have been just a tweet from Major Nelson, but it was sweet. It could be. It could be. Phil Spencer's a draw, so hopefully a lot of people were able to check it mm-hmm. out. And handsome. Uh, he, he, he is that. The man works out. Uh, <laughs> joining Mr. Spencer over at the old Microsoft is a former Nintendo oh my God. Uh, exec. Damon Baker, formerly uh, of Nintendo, is now joining a long, long list of hired guns by Microsoft over the past few years. Uh, Damon Baker worked over with Nintendo at curating their third-party relations, indie developer relations, mm-hmm. uh, and now he's working at head of portfolio for Xbox. And Sean, before you weigh on, in on it, I want to remind you that Microsoft has, over the past year or so, hired multiple big names that worked on God of War, Tomb Raider, mm-hmm. that worked on Red Dead 2. Uh, they've been building the initiative. They've been building up relations. And to snag yet another big name, uh, speaks to what it is they're trying to do and trying to work for. So what were your thoughts as you go? I thought that this was as big as launching a new studio, or maybe not launching, but like acquiring maybe Ninja Theory or something. Like, I feel like this is like an acquisition. Um, so Damon Baker, for those who don't know, if you hadn't watched any of those Nindy um, presentations, he was really on like the first Nindy uh, for Nintendo of America way back at 2017, I guess it would have been. And he was kind of like Nintendo finally giving us another person who we could become best friends with. And he did a lot of incredible work to allow Nintendo to flesh out their portfolio where the first party stuff was going to be dropping once every month or once every other couple months. At first, it was really strong. But for them to come forward with a really strong indie uh, selection of games where PlayStation started dropping them, I feel like Damon Baker was kind of the champion of that. And so to do, that's really a gap in in Xbox's lineup is where is everybody else kind of helping? What is the relationship between Xbox and third parties and the entire portfolio and identifying what are the gaps in games? This is, I feel like this cannot be understated, this acquisition of this individual. He's a likable guy. If he becomes part of the team of, of people that we see on a regular basis through the various podcasts and inside Xbox and things, um, people already have an attachment. To this guy's very likable. He's obviously very smart. So I think it's pretty huge, dude. This is, I really like Damon. I'm a big fan. I reached out to him immediately before. I was like, maybe I can get to him before he becomes like a huge star and get him on a podcast or something. But he never reached out to me. So I, I get it. He's a busy guy. He's a busy guy. I mean, he was head of partner management for uh, Nintendo. And he's been at Xbox, I think, for a month now, if mm-hmm. I read what I read well. Because yeah. he's already been there and been building positions and relationships. But I love the potential that his previous relationships will bring to the Xbox catalog. Mm-hmm. Um, Old and new, old and new, and I think that's a, a wonderful thing because Xbox has got multi thousands of games at this point across their three three mediums, but curation's kind of an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I have to pray, sing the praises of ID at Xbox. I think they're a fantastic community, uh, and they work really hard uh, to to bring us incredible games. And the idea that Damon Baker might facilitate it with them or with bigger titles, uh, it it warms my heart to see this investment by Microsoft, not just in games and studios, but in people that can build relationships with publishers, developers, yeah. uh, and thus by default fans. It seems like it's a it's a new position as well and I I seem to think like uh, the last time we heard anybody really talking about the Xbox portfolio of games was um was Phil Spencer when he was discussing why why Microsoft and Xbox went after Rise of the Tomb Raider as a timed exclusive because they identified a gap in their game portfolio. They didn't have an Uncharted. So I feel like this is a sign that Phil Spencer continues to grow vertically within the company and and he leaves behind him this area that um, maybe nobody else was looking at. So it's really good that they've been able to fill that spot and have a dedicated person evaluating exactly what is the offering of games. And I think that's the real impact of this position for Xbox fans. I'd enjoy being a fly on the wall and finding out if his position uh, would help dictate perhaps which of those games curates to Game Pass or Games with Gold. They've alluded to the fact that they want day and date new stuff there and they want Games with Gold to also be a medium similar to Game Pass where they bring new to fans, not just old. And so that that idea uh, that he could be doing that is perhaps wishful thinking, but I like the potential. And these are just fun topics to, to speculate on. Bottom line, I think we're happy to see a happy, positive face uh, joining the Xbox family and all the good vibes they've been putting out. I just can't wait to the next announcement of Amy Hennig being in and Cliff Blazinski being <laughs> acquired by Xbox. Bring it on. Those are, those are E3 type announcements, man. Jade Raymond and, and Amy Hennig. Would oh, be big snap! Guys. Those will be big gets. Can you imagine them walking out on an inside Xbox? Oh my! And like hand in hand with Bonnie Ross, like holy crap, dude! Yeah, it'd be a good sign. It'd be a good sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, inside Xbox was announced. Uh, we were able to confirm what we had heard, kind of in the ether uh, over the past few days, that on February fifth, Inside Xbox will launch. I know that they're going to have crackdown news. They're having the uh, the community manager for X for Xbox for. Uh, crackdown out there they're going to be talking some sea of thieves they're going to talk campaign for crackdown uh the other stuff nothing jumps out in my brain right now from what i I read of it initially but do you have any particular expectations or hopes for this particular show i think we continue to get good news and exciting news out of the game pass thing Uh, so some game announcements there i don't really have a whole lot of hopes just if they can kind of like lay out what the next 90 days are going to look like for us like we've we've got e3 to be to be coming in pretty soon here but this constant communication is better than none even if there's nothing like no bombs to drop i kind of hope i guess the things that i hope that i don't see are like uh i don't really want a whole lot of PUBG. i'm kind of done with PUBG. I i think most people are um yes. Anthem, I kind of, I hope they they strengthen the relationship with EA a little bit. Like I feel like, um, because Destiny is over with PlayStation because of that whole deal, almost by default, and by, with a, a historical relationship between Bioware and Xbox, that maybe there might be something. But I feel like there's so much opportunity for Xbox to leverage some of these giant games. They were uh, misaligned, maybe, or. Um, it wasn't the greatest that they were aligned with Fallout 76 before. So mm-hmm. this is the next opportunity for a big old game, hopefully with a ton of players for people who are dedicated to Anthem for a long, long time, be also aligned with Xbox. It's a tremendous opportunity there. I'm not getting a sense that there's much activation going on over there. But I don't know, I don't know your thoughts on Anthem or if this kind of um, segues into a conversation about that as well. 
there's multiple conversations we could have from it. But as far as my particular expectations, oh, honest to goodness, I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. Uh, it is a bit strange because Metro Exodus was on their stage and that's due to launch. Anthem does seem to lend itself to a relationship with Xbox, but you know, Microsoft has gone on record saying, hey, we're not just throwing dollars for no reason. Right. Uh, and it, so if Sony were to, were to which they, they are all there want to do in this generation, um, they could tie that up. So I'm very curious to see what happens there. Uh, like, I is the time to I'm, push consoles out the door over? Like, is that... Because I feel like th- that's what those deals were meant to do, is like, if you're going to... If you like Destiny, then you're going to want to buy a PlayStation. Even though it wasn't exclusive, there was exclusive content... Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's why we're seeing fewer and fewer of those deals these days because you're not really trying to align the game with the console to sell the console. Does that make sense? I don't know. No, it makes perfect sense because we it is stated and been clear by both EA and then third parties that, that the Xbox One X is going to be the best place to play Anthem. Right. Now, that's kind of a given given that it's the Xbox One X. It's almost... almost silly to suggest otherwise but that's a technical thing and i don't think that's selling consoles in the way that that marketing deals for exclusive content exclusive strikes in destiny do so i think perhaps you're right the time is done and now it's time to just generate goodwill and build towards the future um you you mentioned fallout 76 so very briefly sean uh we had a question last week about fallout 76 oh yes uh from from arrow slayer uh who who asks what is everyone's take on fallout 76 i'm having a blast but it's definitely getting a bad rap uh you played it i have it i, I don't have anything positive to say about it uh, <laughs> or anything at all so, yeah yeah what you got i think um i don't know man it's it's so it's still similar to fallout 4 but it's it launched in 2018 in that mm-hmm. like it's still buggy it's still similar to uh a lot of the things that you were doing you can just do them with with friends but like that charm wears off over four, three or four years or whatever it's been since Fallout 4. So for me, like I, I've, by the time I finished Fallout 4 back in the day, I was, um, I was really frustrated with the load times. I was frustrated with the frame rate issues and a lot of the technical issues. I really enjoyed my time in that world and I love Fallout as a world, but I really fell out of love from, from the technical side of things. So that carried over big time into Fallout 76 for me and it, it, prevented me from getting really looped into the to the gameplay loop of doing a quest, finishing it off, feeling rewarded, and then moving on to the next thing. I just never really got that like addiction um, back in Fallout 76. So I want to I want to continue to play. Chelsea still has an itch to play it and our um, my brother-in-law was just talking about it over the weekend actually. So it's funny you say it. So maybe we'll have uh, a bit more to dive into, but Dude, this is a world where Destiny 2 has my attention. The Division 2 is up and coming. Anthem is coming. Like these are those those get handful of games I could be playing for the next 5 years really. There's not enough time in the world to be mm-hmm. dedicating to all those games. So Fallout 76 is it's in a world where there's way more competition than I think that anybody really anticipated in this space. Maybe the this generation's um open world game. You remember when like the PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, or Xbox 360 eras, like, everything was a GTA clone. Now everything's, like, kind of that shared world uh, MMORPG light action game type of stuff is mm-hmm. uh, one of the identifying genres of this of this generation. So it's, it's tough. It's certainly an acronym suit. You're, you're MMORPG right. light action adventure. It's all the games all in one. Mm-hmm. Shared world. No, yeah, yeah has, this game has RPG elements. All right, all, they all do. Stop yeah. saying that. 
Um, okay, so that answers Fallout 76, but it does allow me to segue into uh, games that do suffer from gameplay loop issues or excel at doing it very, very well. Uh, Destiny, Warframe, Anthem, Ooh, Warframe. Division 2, those are all games that, that kind of capture a gameplay loop in a living uh, embodiment. And with Anthem... You and I got to play the VIB demo, sort of, kind of, yes, uh, maybe, <laughs> Yeah. this past week. Now, that is a story unto itself, and so I do want to let any listener know that if you try to get into the – I'm sorry, if you don't know, many people tried to get into the Anthem VIP demo, uh, myself included, and they were hit with a slew of different kind of bugs. And at first, it was thought to be uh, server capacity problems, when, and then it was revealed that it was not necessarily that they were encountering all different types of issues uh, when a number of people were trying to log in with various IPs uh, and through different ISPs, internet service providers, and they uncovered a whole huge amount of bugs. And so the demo was lo- rendered largely unplayable for a big population, uh, whilst you know about half that group were able to get in, I was able to get in for a bit. Mm-hmm. You were able to get in for a bit longer, Sean. Um, would you go ahead and tell me what your experiences were, and then we'll talk about how EA handled it? Okay, this this is a big this is a big thing, man. I'm I'm a little I'm jealous mostly of the people who were able to get in for a, like a sustained time and and were able to get in to do. I, I saw a lot of people like Fran Mirabella the third previously of IGN. Um, and and Sarah Daniels as well. I'm Sarah Daniels on Twitch. We're talking about how like they did everything there was to do in the tw- in the demo. I'm like, holy crap, man! I'm jealous. Um, I played on PC, so I was with the old nerdy keyboard and mouse. I was updating my drivers and whatnot for it all. Um, that game, yeah, seriously. I tried to stream it, but that game is n- doesn't seem to be optimized. It was like taking up my entire all my resources. But the pre the brief time that I did have with it, I had a tremendous amount of fun playing it. I was talking to our good friend Joseph Moran, Mr. Badbit himself from the trophy room. We were cross playing a little bit. Um, oh really? Yeah, a little not no, like we just by talking. That oh, the, oh, the game oh. where I'm sorry, that was misleading. Um just having a little fun with words. And we were talking about the animation going from when you go from like walking around or when you jump and going into flight mode might mm-hmm. be one of our favorite I'll speak for myself. It might be one of my favorite motions and actions in games to this date, it it is reminiscent of what people are talking about with God of War, with the axe, and how satisfying that feels when you when you pull it back. Going into flight mode and anthem and flying around feels amazing. Everything I ever wanted to dream about living like Iron Man, that's exactly what this is. And going from flying around to fighting in the air, um, the only thing I can really compare to. Um, is like playing like a Dragon Ball game. It always feels really crappy when you fly around and you fight mid-air and that transition from flying to uh, to fighting is, is super janky and awkward. I feel like it is picture perfect in Anthem. Flying around is very loose and you have a lot of freedom in it, but as soon as you pull out your gun and start shooting, um, it really locks down so that you've got a tremendous amount of control and you feel like a really good... You, you almost feel like the force feedback from the gun um, because the sound effects are great and the rumble is excellent. It's all good, man. The flying around and fighting feels good, but I just didn't get much more time with this game to experience much more of it. Like exploring the world, I didn't get too much about. It's really difficult from what I could play, um, but some other people got a little deeper into the game to evaluate it from a from a ho- more holistic standpoint. I flew around. I shot some things. I like the look of the enemies. Uh, it ran great. It looked great, and I just want to get back into this world and find out 
what the heck is even going on? So I thought it was a success. I dedicated a little bit of time to it. I can't wait for this weekend. There's a, the, the demo goes available to everybody. So I'm hoping they are able to fix some things, people working around the clock. I'll let you maybe talk a little bit about like how, how you feel EA handled the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> I encountered the infinite load problems, and I, I was essentially largely kept out of the chunk of my weekend. I did not get to play Anthem like I had expected to. Yeah. Um, and while frustrating, I I didn't let that run my weekend. I, thought, I think that's a silly thing to do. Yeah. Uh, it was especially heartwarming to see the way that Mike Gamble and so many of the EA execs were forward facing with any of the issues. If they understood the issue, they explained to you what they understood. They explained to you whether or not it was fixable in that time frame. There were some things they said, guys, we won't be able to get to this during this weekend. It has to, we need to wait for it to go down and, and correct this. Uh, there were other things that were like, oh, quick fix on the back end. We can do this, no problem. Uh, and so I was very impressed by the way they communicated. It reminded me a great deal of when Sea of Thieves launched. Uh, if you remember, Sea of Thieves launched so large mm-hmm. that they were overwhelmed because it was it was a combination of Game Pass and higher than expected day one sales by uh, an amount of triple, I think. And so I was very pleased with how EA handled that, which is not a phrase we get to say as often as perhaps we should. <laughs> no uh, kidding. But they threw the us demo, some numbers too. They threw us some numbers that they were like, they're talking about like uh, the amount of people watching on Twitch was like Fortnite. Like they're talking like this is enormous. There's a lot of great yes. attention going to this game right now. They did, and I think I once I found that I couldn't participate in a, in a great deal of it, I abstained. I did not watch a lot of the streams. Whatnot. I was able to play enough to be impressed by the visuals, the gameplay. Uh, I'm very confused by why the hub is in first person. That seems at odds with the great third person work. Um, mm-hmm. The guns didn't feel as good as I was hoping. I loved the monsters. Uh, and it, it motivated me to pre-order. If we don't get review codes, it won't matter to me one bit. Me as neither. I said, I'm a budget gamer, but I'm buying this game. I have a set aside funds for it. But what it did do, Sean, was it kept me from... I was on the fence with Legion of Dawn edition, you know, the best get right. this thing. Uh, it dropped me down down to standard uh, mm-hmm. in my mind. And unless I change my mind again, who knows? I mean, that's been known to happen. Uh, but the gameplay, I think it's easy to compare it to games like Destiny, Warframe, Mass Effect 3's multiplayer. And I heard people, uh, or rather I, I watched people on Twitter be very clear, like, hey, this is not Destiny. This is not third-person Destiny. This is not Warframe. This is not that. It's its own game. And mm-hmm. I think that's a fair argument to make. But I don't mind using other games to compare if people have that as a barometer. It's certainly its own thing. But, of course, it has echoes of those living games that have gameplay loops. Of course. Uh, it's natural, you know. too. And I think that that's actually... Uh, it's funny how everything comes full circle. Because when I played Destiny the first time, I'm like, oh, my God, this is awesome. It'll be like Mass Effect, but with like multiplayer. And it's obviously not what it is at all. I don't even know where that expectation came from. But I think there's a few people who share that. And I'd be curious if anybody um, remembers feeling that way. You can tweet at us at the Xbox Drive. But now everything comes full circle. Now it's the Mass Effect people making a Destiny game. And of course, we're comparing it to, to Destiny and how it isn't Destiny. So... Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see how they kind of apply a couple things that I love about Bioware games. Number one is the enemies in Bioware in terms of like the the overall um, the 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 force that you're going up against. It seems to mm-hmm. be unstoppable. You have like the blight in Dragon Age. You have the Reapers like in Mass Effect. Like these are things that you just there's no beating them. There's no shiny dot. There's no um, 
chink in the armor. There's no gap. There's no like Death Star run that you can do. These things are just like they're coming for you and they're going to destroy the entire universe and there's no stopping it. So I can't wait to see how that manifests within within Anthem. And of course, characters, acting, performances, writing, like these are hallmarks of Bioware that has elevated this studio to the best in the world. So while I feel like all the bonus stuff like that Destiny has brought, the shared world, the leveling up, the getting new gear and that loop of getting your loot and upgrading and things like that is just on top of what I'm hoping is like a solid foundation of great story, great environment and atmosphere exploring. I just, oh, I, I can't be, I'm, I'm getting way too hyped for this game. This this game has all the pieces of the puzzle for a Luke game. I love the mech, <laughs> love game. the monsters. <laughs> yeah. it, it, I'm on Pandora from the Blue Avatar People movie, which is super cool to me. Um, but there are a lot of oh. unanswered science questions, which I find very fascinating. Like, okay, if we have the technology to build these type of suits, why is space travel not common? Are we going to other planets? Will there be a solar system? Will that be an expansion thing? Are there portals? Those are a lot of science questions that with what they're able to do, and if the Anthem of Creation is as impressive as it is, uh, will we explore those aspects? And so I'm very curious uh, about it, but I love the idea of fighting monsters and not just alien species. Mm-hmm. Like flying through the world and seeing hostile um, fauna was super dope to me. Yeah, I man. Really- um, so I'm I'm very encouraged. I have a lot of lore questions. Huh, lore, Luke. Lore. Um, that's but, your name. Yeah, that's my name. So I, I'm I'm impressed and I'm encouraged and I'm nervous because I really want to love this game. Uh, and you know, it comes out right around the time of Crackdown. Which, if you don't mind my segueing, do you have anything else to say about Anthem? No, that's probably too much to say about Anthem already. I think I overstayed. I'm sorry. No, not at all. No, I, it's going to be a topic uh, on the regular, and and that's a, a on the reg. I, yes, on the reg. Um, <laughs> hey, Sean, Luke. I'm super excited for Crackdown. Um, that makes one of us. And I'm super worried about Crackdown. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes two of us. a single thing about it. <laughs> like, for God's sakes, make a commercial. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are y'all doing? Least. Yeah, what totally. What are y'all doing? Yeah, a I'm, commercial. I've been Crackdown almost every week When's for the Super Bowl? years. I don't know. All I'm saying Nobody is... Knows. When's Crackdown, Crackdown going to get some spotlight time? Crackdown 1 was Xbox One X enhanced, and that's not all over the dashboard. Crackdown yeah. 2 hadn't been, been there. We should be getting that mm. for, if you pre-order it, and it's not in Game Pass that we know of. And Man, I'm, I'm, I'm real nervous for the game I like. And now, Phil Spencer, in that same interview we alluded to earlier, he said, if you like Crackdown, you will like Crackdown 3, which yeah. means I'm going to like Crackdown 3, or at least I'm predis- predisposed predisposition i'm yep, going inclined. to likely like yeah there you go thank you that's much better you're good um so i don't think it's going to rope in anyone new so calm it on down everybody but for goodness sakes xbox this is all you got <laughs> what are we doing <laughs> well it's, it what speaks we to the thing that we were saying before like the time to try and move like a new set of uh new batch of consoles is over like the time the race to 10 million is long gone so mm. this actually might be the best time for this game to come out like maybe if it was to come out before even if it was polished as it is now uh, maybe it maybe it wouldn't have helped to move consoles back then. This is a nice like it's a game for Xbox fans. People have stuck with the brand this whole time. People have been with Xbox from the beginning. You get your Crackdown game, and that's kind of it. So maybe this is it's all appropriate uh, setting our expectations. Um, they, I, to, in my mind, we've got bigger and better things to worry about from the moment. And I don't mean to be a dink about this. 
from the moment they announced Crackdown 3 and I saw everybody get really excited about it, we were like, we're counting on Crackdown 3 to hoist Xbox One to the next level. I'm like, seriously? I don't remember anybody talking about Crackdown this entire time. I've been playing Halo, Gears of War, and Bioshock and Mass Effect on my 360 this whole time. And then all of a sudden, Crackdown 3 comes out of nowhere. I was shocked from the beginning. I continue to be shocked at how much people were talking about it. Um, but I think mostly because it's by default. It's the only thing, uh, the only exclusive coming out this year. So I just really look to the third parties. I feel like I'm I'm remembering what it's like to be a Nintendo fan, just going like, please, third party support, just like be the thing that I care about on this console because there's no uh, there's no games otherwise. Two points that you brought up that I want to address are Crackdown was its was a special game that had no other game like it at the time. Sure. The initial Crackdown. So I think that's the the benefit. It's a nostalgia driven thing, similar to what right. we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never once thought it was going to save it. I always thought it was foolish that people thought Quantum Break or Sunset Overdrive would right. versus investing in a even Scalebound. Man, none of them look yeah. like they. None of them look like. Let's be honest, they don't look like God of War or Spider Man or even even Detroit Become Human. None of it just doesn't stack up, and that's really the narrative of this whole generation, unfortunately. And the second point of that is, if this is to be our Wii U generation. Damn, pretty we good. are lucky. Sean. Yeah, it's pretty good. You're, you're absolutely good. right. Yep, good point. <laughs> We're doing real well if this mm-hmm. is to be our down gen. Um, and it's a pretty much it's an up gen. It's just not number one in the sales versus the others. But it's a good generation to be a gamer of on Switch, Xbox One, or PS4. Indeed. It wasn't at first, but now it is, and it's awesome. Yeah, man. Uh, do you want to take? We got time for one or two questions. Yeah. Um, but before we do, I do want to just let you know, Games of Gold was announced today mm. on the day of recording. I didn't even see what they were. I saw that they were announced, but I was uh, in between things. So tell me. All right, prepare, prepare your your reactions. All right, all right. Hold on to First your butts. One, Bloodstained, Curse of the Moon. Oh, seriously? Uh, yeah. That game is great. <laughs> I bought it on right? Switch last year. Oh my god, really? Yeah. Okay, so ah. I'm excited because I've actually wanted this. I bought Castlevania Symphony of the Night the other day specifically for or during the big old winter sale because i want to play that and i'm oh, actually very excited this game's awesome game. it's in my top 10 games of last year that game's awesome well, there you go there you go uh next one bomberman r oh okay that evens out yep, that does even yep. out doesn't super it? lame <laughs> which you can play as master <laughs> i mean at I least guess. it's free yep yep at least it's free all right next one mm-hmm. assassin's creed rogue xbox 360 version cool i think that's good for the xbox fans or i'm sorry for the assassin's creed fans Yep. Cool. Yep. I swear you can have every uh, Assassin's Creed game made now. I think courtesy of it. if you've had games of gold this whole time, I'm pretty sure you get them all. You've had them all. The idea I think before was that if you had a disc, you could put any Assassin's Creed disc into an Xbox and an Xbox One, and it would work. Oh, that's they were all backwards neat. compatible. Yeah, that's a good way to say that. That's cool. Well, I, I'm excited because I never played Rogue, and it that was one that I felt like I was missing out on because it was like Black Flag, but it was is that the in between gen. Was that the one yeah. that was okay? Yeah, it was locked onto the the PS3, Xbox 360, but then they just recently remastered it. But this means I don't have to buy a remaster, um, and I can look at it in my library and probably forget to play it. Yeah, so. exactly. Yep. And the last one, and remember who you're talking to, Sean. Yeah, Je- Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy, OG Xbox. Oh my God, really? What timing? Yeah. What timing? Right after yeah. we're all complaining about we don't have a Star Wars game to play, here's a free one. Right. Right. 
And uh, it, it made me happy because that's one of my favorite Star Wars games of all time. Mm-hmm. I played it on PC back in the day, and then I replayed the Xbox version recently uh, when it went back compat. Oh, and it just man, reminded that's awesome. Me, yeah, it just reminded me that we have a ton of back compat Star Wars games. And I went in on Game Pass, Knights of the Old Republic, and both Star- Jedi uh, Unleashed, Star Wars Unleashed games are there in, in, in Game Pass. Mm-hmm. And then your back compats are all there. And I love that they're throwing OG Xbox games into, yeah, into Game Pass. It's good signs. It's good signs. What a, what a delicate dance it is to try and um, talk to fans of, of Star Wars games as Xbox. Try and talk to fans about Xbox games or Star Wars games. Um, in, like trying to address the the issue that we're not getting our EA games. We're like, you can play all these great Star Wars games from three generations of consoles on your Xbox. Like it would be really cool for them to have like a carved out section or curated section in Game Pass or something somewhere in the store. So like. I know you don't have the new EA game, but like, here's a whole bunch of games you can still play, it, and they're amazing. You just you that's all anybody's been talking about is all the great games, Star Wars games that we had before EA took over uh, the exclusive rights to the license. But cool stuff, man. You know how they're getting keyboard and mouse support? Oh yeah, yeah. How, how dope would it be if they made an X-wing versus Tie Fighter oh, game? Oh my god, are you kidding me? And like, then with the how is that not a thing? That? EA, get on it, man. That genre died out. Flight sims died out. Combat flight sims. Like Ace Combat is a rare breed. Yeah. You know, and I've been playing that and then loving that, I must say, sweet. by the way. Yeah, the, the space elevators and whatnot. What other crazy things you find in that game? Uh, I don't want to spoil it. I mean, I'm okay. pretty deep in there. Okay. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. So let's take some listener questions, bud. Oh, I must scroll down the document. Let's see. We answered arrows. Ah, this is a good one from last week. Brendan Myers had asked us what gamer-friendly move Xbox could make next uh, and what would we see them doing as their next gamer-friendly move, kind of in the wake of the adaptive controller and cross-play? Uh, you've had some time to think, so have I. Did you come up with anything? Well, I think I gave my best answers last week, but I think it, I think one thing that they could do is um, trading digital games, either trading them in or trading them to friends or selling them back. Like Creating a digital marketplace would be really interesting for them to own. Um, that's something that, I think it actually draw people away from their current platform and go to Xbox because it's something that is the digital nature of games is ubiquitous, but the way that people are treating them, uh, we've seen this with Epic and, and um, how they're paying the developers and publishers back for their games and the, the share that they get. There's the other opportunity to put that same type of ownership to the player, to the owner of the game. I think that would be, that'd be really cool. And then another side of it would be some sort of like trade-in thing where you could have your your physical game and trade it and get a digital copy for it or something like that i don't know how exactly that would work but it'd be neat to see them take that one last step to like really encourage people to like give up physical move to digital and they're actually going to do that by giving you a digital license if you hand in your physical game i think would be cool if we were on xbox yeah, indeed. Uh, that's a wonderful answer. I love the idea of decluttering, and if they found some way to recycle that, go green. I think we've actually had that conversation before. Uh, convert your physical library to digital, and then they recycle the disc. No, that was a totally original like. thought just now. I just made it up just now. I've never said it before. We've definitely had this talk before. I know. We've definitely had this talk. Oh, have we? Okay. Yeah, I'm being, sure. being a dink. Oh, we did. Yeah. Uh, dinking it never up. Been more no, no. Um, I would like up. to see them continue... Uh, Expanding their back and pat program, uh, maybe attacking some of those licensed games that need be uh, licensed. I like the idea of having uh, continued access via your devices, whether it's pr- through Project, Project X Cloud or otherwise. Like 
I love the fact that I can use my phone and remote start my my Xbox to download an update or something like that. I really like that. So I want them to continue with those quality of life things. But truly, I think what they need to do to improve quality of life is let gamers know what it is they're doing to work for them. They do. They have a they have a confusing message with Game Pass, with games with gold, with uh, adaptability, play anywhere. They need to find a way to consolidate that messaging so that people realize why that system is a great home for them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, ID at Xbox, awkward title, play anywhere. It has its own list of caveats. Or, oh, this works, but this doesn't, but it works here, but it's in Game Pass, but it doesn't work. But if you have a PC, you can have Game Pass, but only these games. So some of those questions, they're so scattered about providing mm-hmm. options. Sometimes a little forced choice would be necessary. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's just them finding their way being in the, the number two, number three slot this generation. They're finding their way as they provide options. Well, I think that speaks to why it was a mistake to convolute the message from the start to begin with. Like, games are complicated enough, man. Never mind when you throw a media box in there. So, yeah, stick with the games. Make it simple. Make it really easy. And, yeah, it's going to be a really good... It, man, I can't wait for the next console. Do you think we're getting an announcement this year for the next console? Yes, I but so I don't too. know that it's going to be what everybody thinks. Yeah. Because remember how they blew us away when they announced Xbox One S, S, and then they were like, by the way, also making an X. Yeah. And then somehow my foolish self bought an S and then a year later bought an X. Now it's a, it was the right decision. I legit think so, they're going to do the exact same thing, man. I think they announced like the discless thing and it's available in August. And by the way, next gen's coming next year. Hey, good on them. I can legit can see it, that I happening. Right. Mm-hmm. They've got a lot of examples for how to do it right and how to do it wrong from both them and other people. So yep. good on them. Uh, the last question I want to ask as we close out our show, Sean, uh, Garrett Bland, friend of the show. Oh, I good love to see that you, guy. Garrett. Uh, I too. He says, what's the next likely third party studio that Microsoft will acquire? Um, and I just jotted down some notes and I frankly, I'm not sure anymore mm-hmm. uh, because they went on that big old hire spree. They got a lot of the heavy players like Obsidian uh, into their their portfolio. Uh, so just some just off the top of my head, Moon Studios, who makes Ori, they've already got a close relationship. It's oh, not an exciting one. deal, mm-hmm. but it's a great one. Uh, Team Cherry, they made Hollow Knight. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know how doable that is, uh, but it'd be neat. Sumo Digital, they work on they worked on Crackdown uh, 3, but then they also have their hands in a million other things. In fact, I want to note that Game Informer, on one of their recent episodes, had the guys from Sumo Digital on the show to talk about all the different studios they have. And they're like a mini little conglomerate. They got mm-hmm. studios all over the world. Um, so I don't have a good answer because I feel like we've used a lot of the major players. Uh, MDHR wants to say, you know, solo and whatnot, but I, I don't know what it would be. What, what do you think? Let's catch Bungie on the rebound, man. Let's, let's bring him back home. That would be, that would be amazing. Um, yeah, a lot of those, those little indie, um, those little indie teams. It's so interesting. I don't know if we have necessarily have time to talk about it today, but like the ben- the pros and cons of like acquiring those small indie teams. It's like, I don't, I don't necessarily know if it's worthwhile, the additional effort of managing yet another team under your portfolio, um, mm-hmm. to have exclusive games like Hollow Knight, even something like Shovel Knight is something I thought about like Yacht Club games. Um, I don't know if there's like a scalability to create more and more of those games or if there's even a market or a demand for more of those games and that that's a draw for your system i, I have a, I have a and tough that might time be why they brought in that. damon baker i'm sorry to interrupt you that might be why no, they I'm brought glad in damon baker because that's a good 
that that might be a good bridge in that instead of buying a studio, maybe you just build a better relationship with them. Exactly. Between Damon Baker and Chris Charla, like there's a ton of opportunity to just like, maybe it's not exclusive, maybe you don't own them, but like the Xbox home is a really good place and there's a lot of good promotion that goes along with it. That's what the, the value of like inside Xbox, the podcast, the um, E3 experiences, like being able to go to developers and say, you have a home here and we will showcase your game. Um, it seems like that's becoming more and more limited, which is so strange. It's so opposite of what you'd think were the direction that we would be going on. So I joked about Destiny as being an answer, but there really is, uh, from software, might be one that I would really like to see them kind of like scoop up. Insomnia Games, I would love for them to own, um, kind of have, it almost, because people kind of confuse Insomniac with Sucker Punch as it is. So why not have mm-hmm. Sucker Punch go live with Sony and Insomniac go uh, be under uh, Xbox's home? Those are, those are, I think good answers. <laughs> if I do say I so tell myself. you, I, Insomniac is not a bad idea. And I think that if Microsoft bought Insomniac, they would let Spider-Man exist on PlayStation only for at least one more game. I feel like that's a, a move they would do. Yeah, they're probably working on it that, right now. They're, like That's but, the craziest thing. That's what I'm saying. So I feel like they would be just like with, uh, is it Obsidian that's making The Outer Worlds? Yes. I feel like it would be just like that. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, all right, you keep doing good your point. thing. Your next thing is ours. I can totally see that happening. Me too. Um, just for God's sakes, Sunset Overdrive, just stop it. Just stop. Mm-hmm. Stop <laughs> trying to make fetch a thing. It, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know what fetch mean is. Girls. Mean Girls. Damn it. Oh, did you watch any movies in the 2000s? I watched Dracula 2000. Oh my <laughs> God. Jason X. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, man. Oh, man. I also beat Arkham Asylum again. That was fun. All right. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I did that. I was bored. Anthony I got 1K. I got 1K on that. Never alone. Got with that, my 1K Chivo. Yeah, and you played Realm. Did you like it? I got, I got, a, I got a, a Crown Royale. Is that what it's called yeah. when you win? Yeah, sure. Dude, it was sure. thrilling. I actually, you know, you did a good job. I think I said last week, you did a good job selling me on it. I finally tried it with, um, with Mr. Badbit himself. Yeah, we, we got a win. We got a win. Okay. That's awesome. That's it was awesome. fun. I really, you, you actually maybe undersell it with the fact that there's no building. I love it. The the guns shoot exactly the way I want them to, and it feels exactly the way uh, I would expect them to fire off. I feel accurate. I got a number of headshots. Headshots feel very rewarding in that game, and I like the map. I think it's I think it's really good. I actually think it's quite good. <laughs> I'm yeah, very surprised. It surprises you, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It surprises. And I'm glad to hear that, buddy. I'm yeah, glad. Very fun. Nothing makes me better that, or feel better than when I recommend something people enjoy it. And so that actually goes out to you guys, listeners. If you played a game that you enjoy courtesy of I, uh, my recommendation or Sean's recommendation, please indeed tweet that to us. That makes us feel amazing, uh, as do the pictures of coffee. And uh, if you could tweet your pictures of game boxes to uh, Adam Leonard, that'd be awesome. That'd be cool. <laughs> hey, Sean, the art of Adam Marks Canada. Holy crap. Hey, uh, yesterday, as people are listening to this, we were on a thing. We did a thing together in the and future we did it past. Great. We're totally not nervous about it. Luke no, not. no. Nope. I'm good. <laughs> Mixer.com slash Xbox Canada. Guys, mm-hmm. for those of you who uh, joined us yesterday in the past, but in the future, Thank you so much for that. And thank you to everybody at Xbox Canada. Matt, you're amazing, my friend. So awesome. I can't believe this is real. Thank you so much, Matt. It truly means just it's it's dream come true. Yeah, so man. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you to everybody who showed up. You guys are great. And oh. uh, thank you to everybody for listening. Is this is this the end? Are we at the end? Oh, we've been at the end for a while. God, we, we suck at this. <laughs> Who's the host? I don't even know who the host is. 
I'm the I'm the navigator. You're the driver. Okay. Oh, that's a good. That's a really good way to put it. Okay. Um, we're supposed to copy other. Uh, keep hunting and keep playing Xbox.